Way podcast for September 2020. And with me, as always, you know her, you love her, you can't get enough of her, Michelle Fershing. Thank you very much. And my co-host, Mark Steigner, the one and only. The only me. Well, this is our first podcast of the new season. This is our second year of podcasting. Can you believe it? How many episodes are we up to now? Well, this is number one of the second season. Well, no, but like total, do we have like 13 under our belt 13? or something uh, like this that? This is number 13, I think. Yeah. Yeah. When we, when we started this last August or September, we had no idea what was in store for us coming up. I had no idea the pain I would go through. She was so naive back then. I'm kidding. <laughs> Starting early. <laughs> so... We don't have a lot to cover tonight, but we do have a, a couple pretty cool things coming up. Let's just let's just start. I think you um, uh, just to kind of catch up because I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah, you've been you went on a vacation. You and your husband Luke, um, you did the Appalachian Trail, right? You, yeah, right. This girl doesn't hike. No, we went up to Olympic National Park up in the uh, Seattle area for the first time we got great weather we really lucked out um did some hiking went to forks washington where all the vampires live from twilight and hung out at the beach a little bit and some then of us are transplants the, from that area that would explain the pasty skin but ouch <laughs> that's two that's two <laughs> she's coming in hot um, anyways, no, and then we just had a little staycation and then we've just trained to be nice and chill since then. Uh, my husband took up windsurfing, no, sorry, kiting a little bit this last summer. Windsurfing um, is so eighties. You don't do that anymore. Right? People don't do that. No, you can't be caught. Don't say that. We're going to get in trouble in this community. <laughs> um, yeah. And then just busy with work all summer long. How about you? Give me a good summary of your summer. You know, I've been sticking around doing work for CGOA and doing a lot of editing. I mean, when you were on vacation, I don't know if you know this, because why would you? Um, I, I did a little I did a little thing, too. I went away. And um, you know how they have those? Well, you know, I love animals, right? I'm a mm -hmm. big animal guy. So, you know, they have those um, animal rehab places where you can go and learn how to rehab animals. Yeah. I didn't do that, but they have these things. So, you do the animal rehab and then sometimes the animals even you know they've broken legs they've broken wings they just don't want to go back to nature again um you know whatever they get too used to being in the rehab place so they have a kind of a halfway house thing it's called an animal um, attitude adjustment center are you kidding is this a big and, setup and so yeah so i went it's up in, in down in bend and um you go there you don't have to have any training or anything you just you go there and they give you a, an animal to work with and you're just trying to convince this animal to go back to nature. You know, okay, to go back. It's so pretty cool. What was your, what was your uh, well, pitch I got, to the I, animal? I, well, I, I, so I worked with a screech owl named Debbie and, um, you know, she, she was just kind of, she was feeling kind of content because she was getting all the mice she wanted and she just didn't want to go back. And so I just, you know, every day worked with her a little bit, tried to convince her you know, it was okay to leave, that she'd be able to fend for herself. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how it went. When I left, um, I, it was, I was cool. I was about to leave and I found these, you know, if you could see these little feathers, right? Mm -hmm. Those little gift, they were tied with a little thing. Um, 
So I don't know how she did. Last I heard, she she was still there. She she didn't go. But anyway, so that's what I did for a couple of days while you were gone on your vacation. I had to get out, you know, just for a little bit. So that was cool. Um, so we should probably talk about what's some stuff going on with CGOA. Uh, not a lot, right? But we do have some things starting up. Um, we have Jukebox. Or CGOA yeah, Jukebox. I was going to say, we're doing tons yeah. right now. <clears throat> we are. Well, yeah, it's it's a little scattered we'll kind of talk about our season at the end but uh yeah jukebox maybe explain what jukebox is for people who have forgotten since last year sure uh the concept started i think as a adoption of the postmodern jukebox that you can see if you google it or go on youtube um where people are taking popular songs and then doing covers in a different uh genre or style so more of a swingy feel or more of a jazzy or a country feel or what have you for pop songs um so we kind of ran with that idea last year and did a live concert where everybody got to participate and pick a song and we kind of figured it out on the fly it was a really fun creative process and this year we are doing it digitally like everything in life is right now unfortunately um and so i think the concept is, is uh some performers signed up musicians singers um, um and so kind of set working on a little ep if you will of some songs with the same sort of a a, a feel as last time and posting them and little batches for people to enjoy. So the first one that we worked on was a Green Day set, um, which is done, almost done. Getting there. All, getting there. We've got two yeah, done. We have two and a half done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We did a version of American Idiot, which you sang. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had some a string, a cello and a clarinet. And so far, that's only been available to Patreon, but at some point, it'll be up for everybody. And mm -hmm. then we did a version of Basket Case, Dennis Castaneri's had this idea that he thought basket case should sound like a Baroque piece of music. So I arranged it for a string quartet to sound like Baroque music and he sang it. I thought it actually came out really well. I was proud of my little Baroque arrangement. Yes, the arrangement of it is amazing. The video you produce is nightmare fuel, but it fits very well with what it is. Yeah, well, absolutely. Know, yeah, it's, it's a pretty strange song. And if you see the original Green Day video, you know, it takes place in an insane asylum. It's not very politically correct. I don't think you could really, it's not very sensitive at this point no. to do that. So instead of doing that, we'll just give people, you know, nightmares instead. Yeah. And then we have, a, a, let's see, Brain Stew. We're, we're working on that one. And um, a Boulevard of Broken Dreams sung by a doo-wop acapella group, which a really great arrangement, uh, the dentist did of that. So that should be actually coming up pretty soon. So yeah, we have Green Day, and then we're all also working on some protest songs. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with those quite yet. Uh, but yeah, so Jukebox is going. Um, we'll talk about some of the other stuff at the end. The uh, next thing we have is Sam Baker. Everybody knows Sam Baker from last January, the incredible concert we did with him. And we collaborated with him again on a new song, actually an old song of his that he wanted to do called uh, Tattooed Woman. So I arranged it for the orchestra. And he recorded a new vocal track and uh, the orchestra recorded their parts and I edited them together. And that is now on Patreon, but it will be available tomorrow for everybody to see and enjoy. And I talked so to I Sam uh, about uh, how he's doing post-COVID, his painting that he's been doing, a really cool idea of some sort of spoken word poetry he's working on. And we talked about the history of the song and where it came from and... 
That was a great conversation. The tattooed woman, she sleeps in my bed. The ink is dry, the dogs are fed. The moon is safe, her face is red. The tattooed woman, she sleeps in my bed. Her hair is black, her skin is white. Thanks for talking to me. We're just going to talk a little bit about uh, what's been going on and about the, uh, the new song and stuff so um i'm recording just to let you know that's fine i'm happy 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 to be a part of this and flattered to be a part of it and honored to be a part of it well we are too so last time you know we met or in person and we had that concert in january you went off to europe right to the uk (laughs) did you go all over europe it was mostly in the low countries in europe and uk or we went to holland um and and in the Netherlands, and it was so beautiful. Um, we we went there, then flew over and did a show in London, then up to Glasgow, and then uh, worked our way down through the country, um, down as far as I think Bristol, then over to London, and finished with a, a show in London uh, across from the British Library, which I don't know if you've ever been there, but it is the most wonderful thing on earth. Mm-hmm. I have been. Yeah, original Mozart, they have original uh, Bach, original Beethoven. At one time, they had uh, Beethoven's tuning fork. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There you have it. I, nice. What else, do you have, what else can you say about that? <laughs> Good shows, yeah. though. And then and that you came back from that, and then the pandemic hit, basically, right? Uh-huh. We were um, on, the, on the, the front edge of it in... Um, London, um, and actually all through the, the middle part of uh, England from Glasgow on down, um, you know, the, the, we, you know, at that point, the news was coming out of uh, Wuhan that, that a lot of people were sick and that it was uh, impacting the Chinese uh, pretty heavily. And uh, the, the stuff we were reading was that um, it was very contagious and, and very difficult, difficult to control. And uh, that it was only a matter of time till it, uh, you know, followed some flight over into uh, Heathrow or into uh, Schleifel or, or, or one of the one of the places where we either were going to be or had been. Or, um, and I, I think that proved uh, correct. I, it was just that we were, um, you know, by whatever uh, we I think missed the, the contagion. Mm-hmm. But it was not not because we weren't around a lot of people all the time. Yeah, what was the attitude amongst people in the UK at that time? Were they nonchalant about it? Were they worried about it? Were they, you know, as opposed to here in the US where it was dismissed for a long time by certain people? I don't know, Mark. I mean, I, you know, we had good crowds everywhere we went and there was no social distancing and I didn't social distance. Well, that, that really hadn't come up by then. Nobody knew. Really had not come up as a, as a way to, um, to slow the spread of it. I think what happened, um, I, I think we were all um, living in, um, in the way we've always lived, which is we can see people freely, we can talk to people, we can be close to people. Um, I think there was, um, you know, if I, um, 
Oh, is that uh, it's a uh, that Bob Marley song, "War, War, Rumors of War," which I think it's Old Testament rumors of war. I mean, you hear things, and that's where we were, and I think in the rumors of war phase of life, we heard things. We heard things were coming, and we um, we didn't know how to behave any differently. Right. As as I was editing this this latest song, I kept thinking of that line. You know, rain is coming. That's how it feels. Right. That was a prophetic song. I mean, that, that you know, I have a, and I'm going to, I'm going to go into, I've got some songs that I don't really understand. Um, Tattoo is one. Um, Feast is another. Uh, Doubt is another. Um, um, the Sunken City Rise is in this uh, land of drought. The border is restless in this, in this land of doubt. I mm-hmm. think um, those are the three prophetic songs and, and, and uh, Feast, you know, those, those were, I don't remember the years when I wrote that, but that was, um, things were really pretty good. Um, but I felt myself, I think the, the, the voice coming to me was that I'm too complacent, that things are too easy, and that they can't always be really this, this easy. So Feast came out um, with Tattoo, really, at the same time, Rain is Coming. So it's a, a, um, a thing that, that, that indicates... Um, Something is, is, is afoot. Now, in the desert, see, rain is actually a good thing unless it's too much. Then it washes us all away. So mm-hmm. um, that's a little bit ambivalent, but, um, but uh, feast is more clear. It's, it's um, you know, what um, dues are paid, palms are greased, your neighbors in the neighborhood sufficiently pleased. Feast. And it's like, um, then that's what I was doing. I was, I was not looking... Um, I was complacent. I was looking at the world and really in a feast mode mm-hmm. and a consumptive mode as opposed to a, a reflective mode. And I think what the, the plague has done is given, given at least me, given me time to be a bit more reflective. Well, that's a great segue. So before we talk about the tattooed woman in a little more detail, what have you been doing for the past five months? Have you been making music or just making art? I don't... Um, yeah, both. I, I do both. I mean, I, I'm, I'm um, in a whole new series of, of stuff and a different technique in painting, and I like that. Um, I'm pretty drawn to that. I've got a, an incredibly long, complex piece that was to be a play, and now I'm, I think I'm changing it to something else because I'm not sure where we will ever be in the live show thing. I mean, I, I think we'll be back in a year or so, but that's just, um, as they say, spitballing. I, I, I have no... I have no information that would indicate, yeah, that, that's, that's the case. So, um, so that's got a soundtrack. And I, and I put that soundtrack together, and then we went to Nashville with Nelson Hubbard and uh, Dan Mitchell and um, Will Kimbrough, and they did really an incredibly beautiful soundtrack that, that Mark has got um, a spoken word on top. I mean, it started out as a, like a conversational stuff, and then – and then I heard Richard II, where, you know, where he lands, what Shakespeare, where, mm-hmm. and I didn't know Shakespeare. You know, I grew up in a place where if we learned to read and write, it was a, a pretty big deal. And I'm, I'm grateful for everything I've got. But the second he lands and the army has deserted him and he is left with almost nothing, instead of saying, let's talk about things king-like, he, he says, let's talk about worms. Let's talk about epitaphs. Let's talk about end-of-life stuff. And mm-hmm. that's when I started reading Shakespeare and started hearing about the, 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 the way he 
uses rhythm constantly. And he mm-hmm. uses rhythm to set up a foundation, one, two, three, four, five, and then breaks that rhythm with a four or three or something like that. And when he does that, whatever you do on that four, that three, it's explosive. So right. that's, I rewrote the whole un- incredible obsessive thing in iambic. And it sounded ridiculous. In fact, it sounded more than ridiculous. But what I found is if I come back and do, do it part modern, natural, naturalistic, modern, um, conversational, and then slip into a wave it was, it was a wave that was not a bright flash, not a bright, brilliant light, not one thing expected early morning mountain sun, crisp air, fine city, fable ruins. Machu Picchu, a wonder of the world, a light blue jacket kind of day. So you can do conversation. And then when you go into rhythm, mm-hmm. it's, and if you have an underlayment, a soundtrack underneath, then it becomes uh, Ginsberg or Kerouac. Sure. Oh, yeah. That sounds like it. Oh, yep. yeah. Has, oh, yeah. Kind of, has kind of an incantation quality to it, right? Ginsberg, mm-hmm. Ginsberg especially, but, but Kerouac too. Have you heard Ginsberg uh, performing Howl? Have you listened to that? Yeah, yeah, that's a trip. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, Walt Whitman was, um, I think, the under, 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 under um, Alan and under um, Jack is Walt Whitman. Mm-hmm. I sing oh, about sure. Yeah, a little wordy sometimes, but definitely the a theme. A little wordy him. sometimes, but look, for 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 when he wrote that, mm-hmm. that freeform stuff. Look, yeah, it's it's like a a lot of words. Yeah, yeah I'm a- with you on that. But but you know, for that time. To say yeah. I sing body electric, I'm like, okay. Yeah, there's a, a lot story. of Im- there's a lot of imagery in his poetry that's very contemporary and very ahead of its time. It is. It is. Absolutely. Now you're right. It can go on, and and I've been trying to wade through um, some of his stuff, and it it can go on for a long time. Mm-hmm. But saying that, I'm I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Have you but read the a- um, Have you read the elegy he wrote for Lincoln? Yeah, it's called When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloomed. And it was written on the death of Abraham Lincoln, I think from seeing his funeral cortege. And, I, and several composers have written settings of that over the years, but uh, it's a really beautiful poem. Not too long. Not too long. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely a straight line between, between Whitman and, and Ginsburg. Right. And Kerouac, too. I mean, and Kerouac, too. That, was, that 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 whole sort of movement of of it's not free verse but it's but it's but it's kind of explosive verse. The only problem with this Kerouac wasn't a very good poet, I don't think. You know, I th- I he I was a great. He was a really good writer. He was a good good novelist. I, I Dharma Bums is my favorite book in the world, but as poetry, I don't think his poetry was super great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree with you. I, and and some of the music underlayment was a little bit. But but saying that. I like the ice breaking aspect of what both did. You know, yeah. they, they were like, they were like, let's do explosive language and let's use um, a musical <clears throat> foundation underneath it. I mean, it's a lot like what we do. Like I am in the middle of nowhere in a tiny cabin and it's hard for me to envision any more than the smallest, you know, it's, it's on a granular level right now. I have, I have words on a page and then I can play a soundtrack out of this computer. So it's, it's hard for me to say um, what, what the, the, as they say in the oil business, what, what that last mile, the last mile pipe looks like. You know, mm. where, where does it go and how does it get out into the world? 
I, I don't know. I mean, I think I think that your instincts are are, are pretty are pretty interesting, you know, and will be something I think about. Hmm. But hmm. once again, I'm in a tiny place um, with a page full of words, and I have no idea what it means. But you're comfortable in that space. I live in that place. I think the plague has uh, has in its own way blessed this uh, way of living. Mm-hmm. The the 385 square feet that has an air conditioner in it. I think the plague has said that's a good place to be. So we could we could write something and call it the plague benediction, right? Plague, plague benediction, and that's that's complex. I mean, you know, this has um, so many people are struggling and suffering. So, um, but there are silver linings, and I think sometimes I have to look a little harder these days to find the silver linings, but. But they're still there, and mm-hmm. and I'm if I'm approach um, a situation with gratitude, it it it's, it does seem to it it lets the silver linings um, it illuminates the silver linings. I think a bit more. Mm-hmm. So you, how has your painting changed over this time? I've switched from uh, oil to acrylic. Um, <clears throat> okay, I use so much turpentine and and thinners and uh, linseed oils and stuff. I at some point, when I was painting, I liked the smell of, of all that stuff. I liked the turpentines. I liked the I liked the oil paint. I liked I liked sloshing. It's like it's like being working in a in a a place where you change oil all day. You know, it's mm-hmm. just get used to that smell and it's nice. But um, the acrylics they make um, are so good, and the and the, the the colors are so vibrant. I've kind of moved over now. I, everything you see behind me, I've got two um this is acrylic behind me and the the blue the blue wolf is is oil and i like the subtlety of the acrylic right now uh, but mm. the oil is, is pretty big bang let me just punch you in the nose with color so I, I don't think i ever asked you what your background in terms of visual art was are you are you self-taught you're just how did it where did that where did that start and how did it evolve i i have no idea mark I, you know i um Look, I'm not a musician. I really, I started out, I worked uh, until I was 49 or 50. So I, I've had 30 years just doing all kinds of stuff. Um, and then when that, you know, I got involved in that mess in South America and, and those people, poor people died, you know, then I felt like I, I had something to say and needed to say it. And, um, you know, I think if I'd been a, a painter back then, I would have, I would have, I, I don't know that I would have done music. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm deaf. On one side, I don't hear that well. On the other, my hands don't work. So music has always been um, something I've chosen, but at the same time, I'm not ideally suited to it, I don't believe. You know what? Have you thought about it? I'm sure you've thought about this, and you've been asked about it. I mean, how do you feel? What do you think the relationship between your art and your music is in terms of style or expression? I mean, your art is so vibrant and um, big. I mean, you, you big canvases, you know, the gestures are big, you know, there's not a lot of detail. It's all about immediacy and, but your but you know, your lyrics are very spare and, uh, you know, pared down. And so it seems like they're really way different in terms of the energy, right? Your, your painting is one way and your music is kind of something yeah, else. Have you I ever? Think right. I think you're, I've never thought of it. But I think you're right. I mean, 
I think, I think, I think of musically, I think that, that pared down, um, you know, I think I work with the tools I've got and musically, I've got a very limited bandwidth. You know, I don't, I've got, I don't have a big range singing and I don't have a, a lot of, I don't really know emotionality. So what I've always rested on is, is, um, of the rewrite, 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 rewrite until it, till really every word. So that's a reduction, reduction, reduction. But see, when, when I paint, I've got a pretty big palette and I've got, I've got the same size palette as every painter in the world. I mean, it's, 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 in fact, it's almost too big. It's unlimited. Uh, musically, my palette is, is, I think, very, very narrow and I've chosen to, to make it even more narrow within that palette and, and 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 with visual is, is the palette is huge. But but saying mm -hmm. that that everything comes from the same place. It's a we talk about this. It's an emotional wave, and I just I grab try to grab that wave and convert that wave into something that makes sense to me. And sometimes that something that makes sense is uh, is sonic, and sometimes it's visual. Yeah, that's really interesting. I don't, I don't even know why which is which. Have, have you ever had an idea and you started it in one medium and you said, well, that's not working in that way. I'm going to try it as music or vice versa. No, never, never. It's either one or the other. Uh -huh. And it's based on the channel. It's like, it's like there's a, a river up high in the mountains and one river goes east and one river goes west. And the second it, it chooses. And I don't, I never choose. It always chooses for me to go east or west. It's in that channel forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say you have a limited tool set in terms of music, but, but you know, you have an unlimited palette in terms of words. You know, exactly. wh whatever, whatever your technical limitations are, you think in music, you don't have those limitations when it comes to lyrics. So, you know, right. that's, that's as wide open as it could possibly be, just like it is with painting. It is, but, but when, Mark, when I started, my delivery, once again, the last mile of pipe was... Um, you know, I, I really, I couldn't hear. And, and, you know, and so I, I would just sort of squeak through these low squeaks through these songs. And the only way the songs worked was if they were, um, if they were reductionist pieces. You know, I, I can't get, get by with, um, with like, a, um, with that, with, with saying the hook seven, eight, nine times in a row. It'll, it'll just beat us to death. Mm -hmm. I have to, I have to have a beginning, middle, and end, um, like a Carver story, and, and try to hit that transcendent point and, and get in and get out. Well, you know, we all find our way, you know, and what fits and what works, and you have obviously done that. So let's talk a little bit about the Tattooed Woman, not the orchestra version, but just the song itself. Um, do you have a, a recollection of what the uh, foundation for that was? What was the spark that ignited that one? It was... It was um, Really, it was more, I could say there are three of what I would call prophetic pieces, and that they mostly come to me. And, I, and I've been lucky enough to just write them down. Now, when I did it on the record, I, I used too much of the chant, rain is coming, that's how it feels, rain is coming, that's how it feels. But um, for what we did, Mark, we did, I just did rain is coming, rain is coming, rain is coming, and then we give that long bang, and that's how it feels. And mm -hmm. I think that's more effective for what, what we're doing. Um, no, I don't really have, there was a woman, uh, asleep 
with uh, black hair and with tattoos. I mean, that, that, that person is completely real. Um, but everything else just flowed out of um, whatever, wherever words come from. Um, and then it, then it has that sort of uh, bedtime prayer, which now I lay me down to sleep. The Lord, mm-hmm. I'll wander and she owes so many souls to be. Now I lay me down. And see, that actually has sort of a, um, of a, of a, a bit of a slam at the end. I, you know, one of the things, I, again, I love about that song is that it's so spare and uh, lean, you know, lyrically, and it does feel like it's a bit of a prophecy or a, you know, incantation almost. Um, it is. It, and the imagery, the imagery is very specific, and yet it feels bigger than it really is. So I, it's one of my favorite oh, songs. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I was just listening to um, to Take This Waltz, mm-hmm. uh, Cohen's piece. You know, it's that uh, off, off, off Lorca, the great, the great Lorca, mm-hmm. um, where he is very specific. Um, and then, boom, he's an I, 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 I take this loss. So he, he does the same thing. And I, I, didn't, I didn't really uh, look at his song till much later, but I love how it's so specific, mm-hmm. so specific on the details. And they're very beautiful, poetic details. And mm-hmm. then, and then, boom, back into that I, 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 I. My hope is the subconscious emotional wave floats you one to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about that one. So when I did the arrangement, I was I was kind of trying to imply something like that at the end with the orchestra kind of doing that nope. repetitive little vamp, you know, as you were intoning basically on top of it. That's why I try to keep that as, you know, tuneless as possible and just kind of have the, the motion so you could intone. Right. Top. Um, so the song, as it recorded on the album, didn't use the Let All Mortal Flesh, I don't believe, right? That that was a later discovery. It didn't use the Let All Mortal Flesh, but it did use, now I'd have to go back and listen. I mean, it uh-huh. did, we did have it in there. It was because the song didn't make any sense to me until, until you know, it all came out and it was, it was kind of a, um, an amalgam of stuff. And then the second it comes out of the second verse and, and we use that beautiful old melody, which is mm-hmm. an old four, 500 year old melody. Right. Pickard. But, but, but what I had learned it as was let all mortal flesh keep silent. So, so right. here you have the tattooed woman who sleeps in my bed and then right in the middle of it, it says, let all mortal flesh keep silent. And I yeah. thought that's where, that's where the, the two rivers actually um, joined. Mark, you and I love what you do. I love, I respect you as an artist and I believe in really whatever sense of melody you have. I, uh-huh. I love your sense of melody. Well, you heard, you heard the arrangement with, you know, played on the computer and you sang on that really well, that worked out great. And so, uh, it's just visually, you know, I actually, what I did was, well, I'll let you see it. But I, I tried to tell the story a little bit visually as well. And uh, I, I kind of thought about, I used your art a lot in it as we, we use a lot of your paintings visually. Um, I, I so. love that. I want, if, if you can raise money for the orchestra, and I'll, I'll reach out to people and, and get them to look at it and, and ask them to give you guys money. Because I know okay. it's hard for everybody everywhere. And I... I I love what you're doing, and I love your orchestra, and love and love everything they're doing. So I'm 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 one of your biggest fans. Well, please please tell everybody I said hello. 
I will do that, Sam. Thank you for taking time today. No, it's been my pleasure. And um, it, is a, it is a great gift to work with you and the orchestra. If I can help, I'm going to do it. Okay. Well, thank you, Sam. Okay. Have a great day. Her hair is black. Her skin is white. She's pulled the sheets around her tight. I wish I had the right to comfort her as a husband might. Rain is coming. Welcome back. Now uh, we are going to talk to the one and only Mark Steigner, who is getting over a cold right now, which is what his little coughing fits are about. Something. Uh, or something. It's not Corona. Could, That's all could, we know. It's well, maybe. Who knows? Just because it was negative the first of, time. There we go. One of the new things that CGOA is doing this year for the fall semester is we are starting up an online music academy of sorts um, as a way to provide more community resources. So I thought that I would do a quick interview of Mark um, <laughs> to promote that and learn. A little bit more about you, Mark, which people might not know about. So let's get to it. So when can you tell the people when you started teaching? Your 19, music career? 1978. 1978. And where was your mm -hmm. first job? I started teaching in Morro Bay, California. How long were you there? Just a year. Okay. Sorry, which I, is you were I interrupted you. No, I was Morro Bay's in kind of in central Coastal California, um, north of Santa Barbara, south of San Francisco. It's a little kind of community, kind of a beach community, very small. And I just filled in for some guy who was on leave. Back in those days, you could take a sabbatical. If you were a teacher, high school teacher, you could actually take a sabbatical. So he was on sabbatical and I filled in. I was very young. Yeah. Did you like it first year? Oh, it was terrifying. I most people thought I was a student. Really? Yeah. You I had that baby young. face? Okay. I was very young looking. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now did you have the option to stay on or did he come back and that's why? Nope. It was just for a year. It was good because, you know, you could screw up and, you know, you were going to move on. But on the other hand, everybody knew you were only going to be there for a year. So mm -hmm. it was a lot of work to get respect from anybody. And they were also remodeling the music building well, during that. So that was why the guy left, I think. Gotcha. He didn't want to be around. I don't blame him. Yeah. All right. And then where'd you go from there? Then I came up to uh, Hood River. And then you were there? Started teaching at Y East and then the high school. And I was there forever. Almost. So why music education in the first place? I was a composition major and both my parents were teachers. And education was kind of in the family. What did they teach? My dad taught English. My mother was an elementary teacher. Uh, so, you know, education was kind of a thing that you did. And, you know, being a composer, it's not really it's not a great gig. It's hard to find work doing that. So, you know, I thought teaching would be an okay thing to do. And uh, I don't know if I was ever very good at it, but I tried real hard. I think there's a lot of students out there who would think otherwise. I got better, I think, as I went along. I would hope so. <laughs> we all have to practice at it. That's right. Do you? I did my 10,000 hours, for sure. For sure. 
Do you have a, a favorite memory from your tenure teaching that really sticks out or like a top three or anything like that? Oh man, I so many, it would be hard. I think I've talked about this before, but you know, we went to Europe with the kids 10 times and that was always fantastic. And I could list a hundred different performances and memories from that. And we did all these incredible musicals and there was a lot of great stuff from that and you know giving world premieres of perform of music in the choir and band that was awesome so there was it would be too hard to find three 30 maybe 30 okay yeah. i don't think we have time for that no what about uh the most difficult most challenging teaching moment or i guess just concept in general for you i, I think there was yeah i think well i think the most difficult thing about teaching high school is that um, you can never get the kids past a certain point because you don't have them long enough. Mm -hmm. So they always come in at a certain way, certain level, and they always, you can get them so far, but you can't go past that. So it always, it gets a little, to me, it got a little repetitive because you can never go past that hard ceiling of the time that you have and where they started. And in our, in Hoodover School District, they don't start, you know, band until sixth grade. So they don't have much experience by the time they get to high school. When, when I was growing up, we started in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. Right. So there was, yeah, they were, you know, it was always kind of frustrating. You could never get past a certain point. And as yeah. time went on, you know, more and more distractions in the world. Yeah. I'm sure the work, right? because what year did you start? What would that have been? 78. 78. Yeah. yeah. The world's a little bit different. A bit. A little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. So do you have any advice for young teachers nowadays? Well, you know, the advice when I, I mentored some teachers, that, you know, music teachers when they came into um, the district at Hood River, and I'm not sure if the advice I gave them would work anymore because I think the younger generation of teachers is more life balanced than when I started because when I started you, everybody just assumed it was going to consume your life. That the only way to be successful was that was all you did. So you put aside all your other stuff to be a good teacher. Um, and I think that teachers now don't ever play that way. They see it more as a nine to five, eight to four job. And then they have other, they have a life outside of it. When I started, it was whether you were teaching English or music or a coach, you know, you didn't have a life outside. It was just, that's what you did to be good. And I, I think to some extent that's still true, but I don't know how many people want to do that. There's probably a benefit for the way that the new generation is doing it too. For them. For them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe they'll stick with it longer if they're more balanced or they they don't burn themselves out. I mean, as music teachers, that's a burnout is a really, uh, common thing because sure. music teachers work really hard and they have so many outside activities and, and so much responsibility. So they do burn out pretty quickly. You know, if you get past five years, you're doing pretty well. What would you have done if you weren't a music teacher? I would have either been, I was going to be an archeologist. Ooh. That was something maybe I thought about doing or I really would have liked to have been a Hollywood special effects model maker. We've had this talk before. I know we have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Or a writer, you know, but I do a lot of that anyway. So. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump to the CGOA project. <clears throat> this new, what are we calling it? CGOA Academy. Academy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so how, tell the people how that got started if they don't already know. Well, it's sort of your fault. Yes. <laughs> A few months ago, you suggested, uh, you actually didn't suggest, you just asked if I would do an online music theory class because a few people were interested in, in learning theory. So I said, all right, if I'm going to do that for you, I might as well offer it as a class. And that turned into a beginning class and an advanced class. So we did about six weeks of that. And then I was thinking, well, and I, people have talked to me about this before over the years, because we can't perform, you know, what can we do for the community that's not performance? And we can do music education for adults. You know, kids are kind of covered by their own programs, but there really isn't much for adults. There's no community ed classes. There are no college classes really for it. So I had the idea of let's offer some eight-week-long, low-cost classes in interesting subjects. And we're doing it for this first eight weeks. We call it phase one. And if it's successful, we'll expand it in phase two. So what are some of the classes that are you're offering? We have five, uh, four classes. One is music history, kind of a very brief history of music in eight weeks, which is hardly any time. We're doing one called um, Why Should I Listen, which is kind of music appreciation where every week we, we kind of ask some questions about music and then answer those questions in a particular style or particular composer. So we're going to talk about the blues. We're going to talk about Eric Whitaker's choral music. We're going to talk about minimalism and, you know, Gustav Mahler. Every week will be a different composer, but or style, but it'll kind of answer some questions about music. Um, we have a, a class called um, musicals that you might not know that you should. So these are eight musicals that maybe aren't really obscure, but they're kind of below the radar for a lot of people, like sometimes Assassins. A lot of people don't really know that show. They might have heard about it. Or um, A New Brain, which is a great show. Or Children of Eden, which I know you know. And mm-hmm. you know, some of these I've directed, some of them I haven't. But they're all real they're good shows. They're not super as I said, they're not really obscure, you know, dumb little shows, but people might not know them as well as Hamilton. Yeah, sure. For in, for instance, right? Um and then the last one is a composition class, which I had really don't know what we're going to do until I know who's in it, because I don't know what background they have. So mm-hmm. there's a couple of ways you could teach composition. You could do it through harmony. You can do it through writing melody. You know, there's a couple of different ways. So I don't know yet how that's going to work. But uh, yeah, so we have composition, um, musicals. Why should I listen to music history? And we have two classes of music history. They're all in the evening, except for the composition class, which is on a Sunday afternoon. And they're all right pay on. what you want. So, oh. yeah. So you could pay $20, 30 or $40 for the classes. It's up to you. Minimum, maximum. So it's pay what you want. And uh, all that money goes right to CGOA. Do you have a good turnout so far? Pretty good. Um, I think all of them have between 12 and 15, except for the Super. composition class, which is small, which should be. Uh, sure. But, yeah, they're all doing real fine. Okay. But, you know, it's over Zoom. So you could have as many people as you can cram on the screen. Okay. So yeah, if people want to sign up, uh, go to gorgeorchestra.org and there's a big banner right on the homepage and you can click on that and register. Is there going to be like a test? 
There isn't going to be a test. Okay. I don't know. Maybe people have test anxiety. Maybe they want to We know did that. homework in the theory class. That's true. Yeah. We did some homework, but no, I, uh, you know, I hope to make them fun. I, you know, I, one of the things I love to talk about is music history and music appreciation. I can make that entertaining, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it. And then are you doing voice lessons? I don't know. I might. Depends on my schedule. Okay. I haven't thinking about that. Okay. So be maybe. on the radar. You might see a new offering pop up. Maybe yeah, not. maybe. Yeah. Well, we should, uh, we should talk about the Patreon. So uh, yes. I think we may have talked about, we, I, for sure we did, uh, on that special episode with Michelle Edwards. Uh, we do have a Patreon now. So if you go to patreon.com slash CGOA, uh, you can sign up to be a CGOA patron for as little as a dollar a month. You know, it's ridiculous that anybody would only pay a dollar a month, but some people do. So uh, as little as a dollar a month, uh, and you get things like early access to our videos. So people who are on our Patreon got early access to the Sam Baker video. Uh, exclusive content like this video podcast is only going out to the Patreons. Uh, so good on you guys for doing that. And, you know, whatever we decide to throw up there. So, yeah, get on that. It's a way of supporting CGOA for very low cost, especially now while we don't have any performances. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. I wish we had a season announcement that we could say what we're doing, but we just, we just don't know. We're going to try to do some instrumental rehearsals in person maybe next month. See how that goes. The choirs are definitely not ready, or, and it's probably not safe to sing together yet but you know the string players can wear masks and socially distance and they might be able to rehearse um but we just don't know so is the plan we'll to do more you, digital we'll you know. projects uh, pardon me the plan is the plan to do more digital projects if not for all of the ensembles yeah we still have a lot of you know the orchestra when is going to be doing this and we're going to talk to her next month there's a singer um songwriter named tish hinojosa from uh new mexico and Texas, and she was a buddy of Linda Ronsett. She's written a lot of great music. She's going to be doing a, a thing with the orchestra and us next. Uh, Jazz Collective is working on a project. Jukebox is working on it. Vochi will be doing it. Yeah, we're keeping those going. I think that's what we got for you guys this week, this month. This month. Yeah. yeah. It's good to be back. It's weird circumstances to be back, but here we are. And some of us are recovering from colds. Yeah. Yep. Or COVID. Or COVID. And I will make sure I, uh, circling back to the beginning, I will definitely post the picture I have of me and Debbie, or Bonnie, excuse me, Bonnie, the, um, the screech owl. Okay, I really wasn't sure if you were kidding or not during that. So this really happened, this owl thing. Oh, oh for sure. Oh, my gosh. For those who don't know, I'm not really a fan of birds. Um, so Mark and I have an eternal struggle over that all right well everyone until next month um and we will have an interview as i said with uh, tish hinojosa next month which would be really fun um have a great and safe month keep looking for our digital content become a patron join the academy as soon as you can and um thanks for watching or thanks listening. for watching thanks guys bye-bye bye Oh my God! Why can't I talk? Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me. It all keeps adding up. I think I'm cracking.